Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world, and he serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. It's really important to understand this topic. I can't tell you how much I believe that. Before Jesus died and rose from the dead, he told his disciples after walking with them for three years, in John 14, 16, he said to, he said to them, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper in like kind. Okay, so one like me. He will give you another helper and he will be with you forever. Now this passage does not clarify how the Holy Spirit will be with us per se, but it does clarify that he will be with us. And Jesus made that very clear. But something that you know when you follow the teaching of Jesus is that he shares and he shows that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is vast. The Holy Spirit does not simply do one thing. The Holy Spirit has many roles and responsibilities. And if I were just to sum some of those up to you, I would say that the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit teaches and he guides and he convicts and he prays and he reveals Jesus and he causes us to be born again. The Bible says that he empowers us, he sanctifies us, he anoints us for ministry, he brings freedom into our life, he gives joy, he produces godly fruit. The Bible says it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of my best day. It is his fruit in my life. It says that he pours love into our hearts. It says through the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 5. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And he does many more things than just that. As I talk to you about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I want to first also say that prior to being baptized with the Holy Spirit, what he does in our life is he regenerates those who believe upon Jesus. And it is so crucial for us to realize that when we give our lives to Jesus, scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. And that comes from Genesis chapter 2. We are dead, spiritually speaking, and so we need to be born again, made alive and born of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what John chapter 3 verse 3 is talking about when Jesus is talking to this one man who didn't get it. He's saying you need to be born again, born from above, born from the Holy Spirit. And when we give our lives to Jesus, that is exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside our spirit and makes us alive in Christ. We are then from that moment spiritually alive. And it's important for us to realize that because sometimes Pentecostal teaching in the past has simply taught that you baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues is salvation. And that is not the right teaching. When we give our lives to Jesus, we place our faith and trust in his finished work, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and we are made new. Amen. That's called salvation. A theological term is regeneration. We are made alive. And now the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And I could rattle off a bunch of other scriptures. I have some there, I believe, on your sheet. But this is not the only thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
then we learn very clearly that the Holy Spirit wants to baptize us. This is what John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. He says, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, speaking of Jesus, is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. And then he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And what this means is Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Just like water is the element of the baptism, Jesus is the baptizer and the Holy Spirit is the element that we are baptized in. John spoke of a baptism that was coming and it was different from regeneration. This is not the same thing, although they can happen at the same time as we will see very clearly. I think sometimes we get hung up on the word baptism. Maybe you are new to this and you're like, Ben, I was baptized and you're thinking about water, like you were baptized in water. So sometimes when I'm talking to people about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that's what, that's what they're thinking. And I'm, that's, not, that's not baptism in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit because we get hung up on the word baptism. You know, the word baptism is not a holy word. It's a Greek word. And what it means is to be immersed, to be covered, to be fully saturated. It's, it's a description word. It is not a definition word. If you were to take a concordance and you were to look up every place where the word baptism is, we have to know it is describing a specific event or a specific kind of experience. But it is not defining only one experience. Let me explain what I mean. You can baptize your chicken into barbecue sauce. If you like chicken like me, it is describing a good experience. It is a description word. It is describes something. It does not define it. And that's why I think sometimes the whole teaching of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is askew and people have division over it is because they get hung up on the word and the word is only meant to describe something. So there can be lots of baptisms. You can get baptized into the love of God. You get baptized into water and you go down and you get buried and the sin dies down in there. Sometimes we hold people down for a little while. You make sure it gets good and dead. And you come up out of the water, you rise to new life. You are baptized in water for the remission of sins. You can be baptized into the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that one thing we get hung up on because we think whenever we read the word baptism, it's always the same thing. It's just a word that describes. Are you with me? Okay, if you're not, keep listening. John chapter 20 Verse 21, Jesus, after his resurrection, he's standing in front of his disciples and the Bible says that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive into yourself the Holy Spirit. I believe in John chapter 20, verse 21, the disciples were born again. They received the Holy Spirit at that point, but that was not all that the Holy Spirit wanted to do. We see in Acts chapter 1, Verse 4, here's, here's what it says. And this is such an important part of chapter 1. It says, Gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which we had just read about in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. He said, you heard of from me, but John baptized with water, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, 
Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that was their theology. That was their messianic theology, really about the end times. That the Messiah was going to come and he was going to overthrow Rome. And he was going to call Israel along to his side to rule and reign at that time. That was still their thinking even after the resurrection of Jesus. Certainly, that makes a lot of sense. That's how they were born to think. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, don't worry about the blood moons. If you know, you know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now that's not come to live inside of you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and even the remotest parts of the world. He says that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for this singular purpose that you would have power to become a witness of me. This is so vital. Not so that you can witness but that your entire life would be a witness. That you would be a bright and shining light in the world. That is like literally what you are supposed to be. You and I, as followers of Jesus, are witnesses. It's not something that we do on Saturdays. Now, we can do it on Saturdays. We can share the gospel, and that's great, and that's wonderful, and we should do it more often. But it's that our whole life, we are, we are witnesses when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is to be a witness of Jesus. It's to be a witness of Jesus Christ with all of our life. And I would even go as far as saying this in a a different way. In order for us to be a witness of Jesus, we need to be filled with the power of God. We have to be filled with the power of God. The baptism is an activation of God's power in our life so that we might live out loud and not just private secret Christian lives. And I don't mean that we have to be brash and crazy. I just mean that we're not afraid. We come out of the shadows and we come into the light and we seek to make known this wonderful, glorious Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed, we're not ashamed at all. The scriptures record several instances. Now I know many of you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I've talked to a lot of you in my office and I can just see it on your face. You're just, you're just happy that I'm talking about it. Pastor Ben, I'm really ecstatic. My gosh. You can smile. It's okay. It's Wednesday night. You know. When I was 19 and I got saved, I gave my life to the Lord. Some of you have heard my story. It was a few months later, one of our friends got out of prison because that was how we were rolling before Jesus. That was BC. So one of my friends got out of prison. And while he was in prison, he got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was what you would call a Pentecostal. That's the truth. And so we went to this church together. He didn't really care for the church because they weren't clapping enough and loud enough. And he didn't really, he wasn't really having a great time. And so we went back to this Bible study that my friend and I were doing. We were three months as Christians and we were reading the book of Matthew and it sounded like a conspiracy theory. I mean, we did not know how to lead a Bible study. It was as horrible as you can imagine. So he comes and this was his first weekend out of prison And he was a full-blown Pentecostal. And he starts talking to us about speaking in tongues. And I thought, what manner of man is this? Right? (laughs) But when I was a kid, I heard my dad, when he would pray sometimes, he would pray in tongues. But since then, I hadn't really ever heard about that. And so he's like, you know, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we were like, 
I wasn't afraid of anything. I was like, if I need that, okay, amen, let's, let's get that. So we were sitting in chairs in my friend's living room, and this guy starts to pray, and he starts to pray in his spiritual language, in this language I had never heard. And I had no idea what he was saying. And he starts to pray. And when he prayed, this is no exaggeration, it felt like electricity hit me from the top of my head and it went all the way down to my feet and didn't stop for 30 minutes. Now, not like 220. Okay, I want to be careful. More like 110. But still, that'll shake you a little bit. It wasn't electricity, but it felt like it. It was a weird experience for me. I just sat there and I experienced something. And I couldn't, I didn't have words for it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know, I wouldn't have called it the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But that's what happened to me. And I was glad I was sitting down because if I wasn't sitting down in a seat, I'm certain I would have been. This was my experience. Now, after that point, you couldn't stop me from sharing the gospel. I was a fool for Jesus. That's who I, who I in fact, I'm a pastor today because of those types of moments. I never sought out wanting to be in ministry or vocational ministry or a professional of any kind. I just fell in love with God. And that moment gave me a boldness that I previously hadn't had. And I thought that I was on fire for God. And I thought that I wanted to give people the gospel and share the love of God with people. But from that moment, I was just bolder. And so, unfortunately, like some people were hoping, I would say, uh, I didn't speak in tongues. And a lot of my Assembly of God friends told me I wasn't baptized with the Holy Spirit, but they wouldn't go evangelize with me either. So I wasn't really sure what they were trying to say to me. <laughs> I know it messes with a few of you that were taught against what I just told you, but that was my experience. And I was like, wow, okay, I thought baptism with the Holy Spirit was to, to, was to be empowered to be a witness. I mean, I've read it to you. Did I, did you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I read that to you? Yeah. Okay. And so I didn't, I didn't, I, I had electricity and I had all that. And then I was out in the streets and I ended up going into like prisons to minister. That's where I learned to preach. And funny joke was always like, you didn't have to preach very long or hard because everybody felt convicted right up front. It was awesome. People that have been to prison laugh. It's funny. It's always a big joke. Where I started out, ladies and gentlemen, it's where I started. And so I had my Assembly of God friends, they were telling me, and, I, and again, I'm Foursquare, so we sometimes don't know who we are, but uh, just joking, it's not funny. And so my friend was like, well, you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, Ben, because you didn't speak in tongues. And I said, well, I want to speak in tongues. And he said, well, you just shut up, just go ahead. And I was like, I'm not doing that. What do you love? I'm not a fool. That's what he was, you know, he said, you got to do that. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. And so... And he said, well, then you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, I want to speak in tongues. So I spent six months praying that God would give me a prayer language. And it went from guilt to excitement and expectation because I started reading the Bible and it talked about spiritual language all over the place. And so I was like, I want that. And six months later in my bedroom by myself, I started to pray in this beautiful prayer language that God had given me. And I, re and I released it because I realized that it was simple. I was too intellectual. I wanted him to flush through me like a pipe. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted God to take over, right? No, some people get, we get really confused. I was really confused and it didn't help that my friend was telling me that I wasn't something or didn't have something. So I wanted to kick him. 
And I've met a lot of people since that are made to feel like they don't have something when they just simply don't know how to release what God gives. And if we would stop pressuring people all the time and start leading one another in love, things would change. How do you know that? Because I've gotten to lead so many people, hundreds if not thousands of people into a beautiful prayer language. And all it really was was just submitting to the Lord and, and not feeling pressured by men and women. So that was free. You're welcome. But there are many scriptural examples in the Bible about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I may have missed one or two, but I, I, have, I think I have seven or eight here. And I'm not going to go through them all, but it's really important for us to know. You look at Mark chapter 1 verse 9, and I don't have time to go over every little detail here. But this is where Jesus was baptized in water in the Jordan River. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 1. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descended upon him. And it says a voice came out of heaven and said, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And you know what happens in there. He he fasts and prays, and then he comes out of the wilderness filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It says he comes out of the wilderness with the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we see is that Jesus was born of the Spirit. There's no question about that. Jesus, it was a virgin birth, and Jesus was born of the Spirit. He was born of God. And this, he is the example. In this moment, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment. He is the standard. He was born of the Spirit and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. You and I need to be born of the Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need to be reborn, so to speak. Now, right here, we don't have the, this conversation that I'll give you in a moment, initial evidence. We never see Jesus speaking in a spiritual language per se. I'm not saying he didn't do it, but we don't certainly see it. But that's just a record that we don't have. Now we go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And that's to follow what we had been talking about in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And this is what we see on that day. So they're waiting in Jerusalem at least for 10 days. And they're in this upper room. It's, it's in some type of house of some kind. We don't fully know. It doesn't can completely describe the entire context, but we know they're waiting and they're in obedience to Jesus. And that's a crucial element. They are simply obeying Jesus by being where they are. And this is what it says at the end of their waiting. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves and rested on each one of them. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now that key phrase right there is so important. I've already said to you, we see from John 20, 21, that these disciples are already believers. We know that because that is the very reason that they are in the upper room waiting for Jesus, that promise of the Father. They know something is coming. They know it's the promise of the Father. They do not know how it is going to manifest, but they are believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus had already said, receive the Holy Spirit to these that are waiting. 
When they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues and praised God publicly. And when you continue to read this story, there were people from 13 different regions that spoke 13 different dialects that all heard them praising God in their own language. Now, I just park right there for a second. 13 different languages were heard by these Galileans speaking. That is an incredibly supernatural event. And everyone that heard and saw what was happening, they thought, how could these Galileans be speaking in our own language? That is not possible because they are unlearned people. And that would be a good assessment. It was a supernatural manifestation that was given through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is so important because it says that the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want to make this comment. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Just like when we read about in the Old Testament. You might remember in Numbers chapter 11, there's a description there that when the Spirit rested on them, they would prophesy. When the Spirit would come upon a prophet, priest, king, or judge, they then had the anointing to act, to respond, to speak, to do something that God would him, was empowering them to do. And why this is so significant is because in the Old Covenant, the only people that had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, none had the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. None were regenerated. But those that had a position and an assignment could receive the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that assignment. That was under the Old Covenant. And there were times, Psalm 51 is a great example, where if a person all of a sudden came out from that assignment and was misrepresenting God, that they could actually lose the anointing. David praised that. He says, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not because he had tasted of the Holy Spirit as a king. God had anointed him with the spirit and with power to accomplish as a king what God called him to do. When he had misrepresented God by sleeping with another man's wife and killing that man to cover up what had been done, he had misrepresented God in such a way where he knew that this assignment could be taken from him and what he really longed for was the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that he had been tasting. And so he says to the Lord in his psalm, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This is why people were so excited in Acts chapter 2 that everybody thought that they were drunk. Now, Pentecostals kind of use it as like, yeah, they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. No, they were not inebriated in the Spirit. They were excited because history had fallen upon them. And in that moment, they realized they were living in the fulfillment of a prophecy that was at minimum 400 years old. It could have been 800 years old. And these common people were excited because they knew about the outpouring of the Spirit, but now all of a sudden they're experiencing going, what in the world? Even us, even common people can experience what we've read about, what we've heard about, what we've known about in the Old Testament? Are you serious? When you and I talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that only kings, prophets, priests, and judges could experience this in the Old Covenant. This is what we're talking about. Man, you got to smile. This is, I'm working hard here, people. Here's the thing. It says in Numbers chapter 11, when the Spirit rested on them, then they prophesied. That's a principle. We see that right here. The Spirit enabled them so that they, they could utter this language. That is literally what happens when the, when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, something happens. Something always 
happens. Whenever anybody says, Pastor Ben, I'm not sure if I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're not sure, you can be sure because in my opinion, something always happens. And you see this from scripture. You can keep going through all these passages. Acts chapter four, verse 31. This could be a refilling of the Holy Spirit. But they prayed. And when they were praying, where they were gathered, the place started to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of boldness. When you're filled, something comes out of you. That's the principle. You ever, I think it's Matthew chapter 12. Out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When your heart, when your, when your soul, when your spirit is filled with God, with the Holy Spirit, something comes out of you. Now, I, I know intellectually speaking, we don't like this. We don't like this principle, this idea. But when we yield to the Lord, God will do that very thing. And sometimes it, it will take time for some of us, like me, it took seven months for me to release what God had done. It took a long time because I was, in my head, I was being intellectual about it and I didn't realize that it was just simple and submitting and yielding to him so that he might work through me. It's so important that we, that we realize this. Now, do you know the word boldness in the Bible? It says they spoke the word of God with boldness. The word boldness literally means freedom of speech. Their mouth was released. That's what the word boldness means. They were free to speak. It's almost like their pause button was on and when they got baptized with the Holy Spirit, bink, they could speak. They were free to do so. Acts chapter eight, verse 14, we have another example here. I just wanna move all the way down to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. There's, I, I put even some little comments there for you. Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Peter goes to the, a Gentile's house, the house of Cornelius. And while Peter was, had been preaching to them, there's a whole context leading up to this where Peter had made it to this person's house. But it says while he's there, he's speaking to them, he's preaching to them the gospel. And as he's doing that, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. They believed what he was saying and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because they didn't at this point think that Gentiles could receive what they had received. They, they thought it was an exclusively Jewish thing. And so this was where the door opened wide to the Gentiles. And so it says that because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. They received other languages. This is what had happened. We see the same thing here in Acts chapter 19, where there were those that hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And as, I'll just read it to you, Acts chapter 19, verse two. He said to them, as he's preaching to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said to him, no. And Paul was speaking to, to those that were at Ephesus. And we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So they didn't understand everything that they had even believed. And Paul said, John, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And listen to this, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And there were 12 men. It's safe to, to assume that these guys were just ignorant of the Holy Spirit. And, and we can understand that because when you come to Christ, you don't know everything. How many of you understood like the Trinity when you came to Jesus? Like you really, you could, you know, 
I didn't know there was a Trinity, right? Some of you, how many of you understand the Trinity now? <laughs> no, just, well, we believe in the Trinity. I'm gonna put my foot down on that one. All right, there you go. Now, Pastor Ben, what are you saying? I am saying that you can be a believer in Christ and not be baptized with the Holy Spirit's power. I'm saying that is possible. And I'm saying when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, something happens. And the goal of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is to receive power to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Now, there is evidence that comes when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, but the evidence is not the point. So I know a lot of people that talk in tongues, but they're not witnesses of Jesus. And that concerns me as a Pentecostal. No, no, I'm going to say it again. That concerns me deeply as a Pentecostal, that we could speak in tongues and not live in boldness to be a witness of Jesus. Does that concern you? If you believe in the word, it should utterly concern you to not have a bright and burning light, but to be shatabakashanda. Now, I want everybody to speak in tongues. I'm like Paul. I want everyone to speak in tongues. But one of the great things that I got to do was I got to go around and pray for lots and lots and lots of people. And I can't tell you how many people that I have prayed for that said, one time, somebody told me to just, just follow after what they said. Just, just say, say these syllables, say these words. And I did it, and I've been confused ever since. And you tell me, that doesn't sound very healthy. It doesn't sound like somebody understood what they were doing. It sounds like pressure. Does anybody agree with that? Yes. Holy Spirit is really capable of leading people into the experience. We're facilitators. And sometimes we cross our boundaries. Now, if I'm irritating you because you want me to say something specifically good, because I'm very comfortable with this, because one of the things that I love to do is help people get baptized with the Holy Spirit, receive the power of God to be a witness, understand that spiritual language is not just an event, it's an ongoing, beautiful thing that God gives us to practice. So I'm never in a hurry to push somebody into something if they need to understand it. I think that to me, I'm, I'm, I'm not for that. I do think we need to learn how to unlock it. Did you know that it takes only six grams of uranium to make an atomic bomb that could level a city. It's actually happened before. It was called Hiroshima. It was six grams. You know, that's a penny. Think about a penny in your hand. It was six grams of uranium is all that it took. To detonate that is all that it took to level Hiroshima. Now, the trick was we've had uranium forever, but somebody figured out how to activate that power. Now, for good or bad, right? I mean, that was obviously not a great thing. But there was so much power in a penny's worth of uranium, but somebody figured out how to release that power. And what I'm saying is, is that anybody that believes in Jesus has the power of the Spirit inside of them. The key is how do we release the power that God has already put inside of us? The baptism with the Holy Spirit is an activation. It's kind of like when you get a credit card in the mail. Everybody gets one. Not everybody, actually. Some of you guys up here, you're like, I ain't got a credit card. That's a good thing. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. If you know, you know. You get the credit card, and let's say you have a $20,000 credit limit. You have all this potential that can be used, but what do you have to do in order to use the credit card? You got to activate it. The potential's there, but it's got to be activated. 
The baptism with the Holy Spirit is you have the credit, but it's got to get activated. And that's what we're talking about. So how do we do that? I'm so glad that you asked that question. The first thing that we have to do if we want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is we have to give our life to Jesus Christ. So if we're not Christians, that's the first thing. We give our whole heart to Jesus. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He raised to new life, which was a promise for us that we too would receive life in his name as we trust him fully and completely. We surrender to his lordship in our life. Is he the Lord over our life? Because if he's not, we can't receive this blessing, this gift, the power of the spirit to be a witness of Jesus if we don't in fact know Jesus. And so this is the first step for us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if we're gonna pray for someone to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that is the first question that we have to ask. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you given him your life? Have you surrendered to Jesus with your whole life? Has that happened? And whatever comes as a result of that leads us to the next step. Now, the second thing that we have to do is we must understand what the baptism with the Holy Spirit is. I've prayed for I don't know how many people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when I talk like this, people will come forward and they want to get free of their guilt. And that's not being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, God wants to help us rid ourselves of guilt. That happens because of the effectiveness of the work of the cross. Believing that Jesus suffered enough and died for our sins and he can remove our guilt. Amen? That's... That it's, it's the work of Christ and we place our, our, all of our faith in what he did and he can release us of our, of our guilt because he took the penalty and the punishment on our behalf. And so that's different than being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I'm always trying to help people understand what they're asking for because if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, it is connected to becoming a witness of Jesus, Receiving power, not to feel the tingles. I mean, I mean, I love to feel the glory bumps when I worship. You know what I mean? Like, woo! I mean, it's great. But sometimes when I worship, I don't feel anything. You know, some people will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor Ben, did you feel that? And I'll say, no. Did you? <laughs> they say, yeah, I felt that. And I go, wow. I, I mean, does that make me less special? I'll tell you what, sometimes you don't feel anything. Is that okay? Okay, because it's true. You don't always feel God. Sometimes you do, and that's a massive blessing. I love feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, but there are plenty of times where I don't, and I've still seen people get baptized with the Spirit. I've still seen people come to Christ. I've still seen people get healed, or nothing happen at all, and I don't feel anything. It's not up to my feelings. It's just up to simply the power of God. So I walked into this meeting tonight knowing that I may or may not communicate or articulate as clearly as I want to, but I still know the power of God. God can still do what he does, even if we're not feeling it or even saying it all the right way. Don't you love that about the Lord? He factors in our stupidity. Right? Okay, you haven't reached that place of the, looking in the mirror yet. All right, not excited about it. All right, do you understand this is a promise from scripture? This can be confused with wanting freedom from an issue or ridding ourselves with guilt. Let's not confuse the issue. What we are asking for is really, really important. Now, there's this idea, some, there's a book by Leonard Ravenhill called um, Tarrying for Revival, I believe. 
Sometimes there's this concept that people have to like wait on the Holy Spirit to receive, okay? I don't believe that. I, I think that from scripture, the only time that people really waited was in Acts chapter two because Jesus said, go into Jerusalem. And so they waited for 10 days plus for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. But after that, it was an open heavens. And so every occurrence ever since, it'd just be like, do you, have you received the baptism with the, or the power of the Holy Spirit? We haven't even heard of a Holy Spirit. Awesome, okay, well, let's baptize you in the name of Jesus and lay hands on you. There was no waiting. There was no one day, two days, 10 days. It was just access right here and right now. It was by faith. And so it's really important, which by the way is my third point. You ask God to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. While it's biblical and common to have someone lay hands on us and we see that, I want you to know I'm utterly convinced that it is important that every person does ask themselves. I lead people to ask themselves. I do not believe in having, always having mediators. Now I'll lay hands on you and I think we do that as an act of faith, as the church to partner together. But it is not like power be, is being transmitted. That's not, it's power from on high. That's what the scripture teaches. And it's power being released from within. Rivers of living water will flow from our innermost being. The, we have, we, there's a river that's waiting to be released in our life. And so I think it's important that we understand that we're asking him to do what he wants to do in our life. Lord, we need you to do this. And so we ask him. We receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit the same way we receive salvation, we ask. And this is so vital, but we do need to understand what we're asking for. Yes, sometimes it's we wait patiently. I'm not saying it happens within seconds. There might be a few minutes. There might be 10 minutes. We might have to ask the Holy Spirit to see if there's anything like in the way. But I think sometimes like we can just have this idea that we need to wait for days and months and weeks. And that's not really the issue. We just need to know how it works. And it's really, really simple, actually. The fourth thing I would say, just to be simple about this, how we receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit is we respond to the working of the Holy Spirit. And I would say to you like this, like when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, I didn't have four steps. <laughs> I wasn't at a service. Many of my friends have been though. Sometimes uh, camps are that way. But I think it's really important that we realize the Holy Spirit wants to do something. And so when we come to be baptized or to be empowered with the Holy Spirit, we should expect something to happen. And we have to make sure that there's really nothing in our mind and heart that is wrong. Like, like we're sort of like, yeah, God, see what you'll do. You know, we get that kind of attitude, that heart, we have to give that to God and move that out of the way. I've had so many instances with people where I'm, I'm ministering to them and I'm just asking them questions because I don't think it's necessarily like, have you forgiven everyone? And we walk through all these 10 steps. That's not necessarily the case. But sometimes when we're, when we're receiving, I'm just talking about even receiving, there are like blocks and the Holy Spirit will help us to see what those are. There's no formula to it, but there are things that can get in the way. And so we want to respond to what he's doing when we're receiving, it's very important and respond to that when it's happening. So for example, one of the primary evidences, and I'm saying this clearly, the primary evidence that we have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit is that we speak with a spiritual language. That's the primary. Sometimes people don't receive a prayer language and I think that actually can happen at times. I'm kind of like an 80-20 guy. Now, a couple of you won't agree with me and that's totally fine. But I think there are a lot of good folks out there that have truly walk in power that have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but they just haven't released a prayer language at this point. 
I think I was one of those. There's some of you sitting in this room and that's actually happened to you. Pastor Ben, how do you know that's true? Because I have walked with so many people that have had the same testimony. Now, I believe everybody can speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. He just loved it, didn't he? I don't even know how you could say that and get away with it. Like, hey, guess what? I speak in tongues more than all of you. How would you feel about me if I said that to you? You're laughing because you wouldn't feel great about it, would you? But the classical and historical view, Pentecostalism, is that in order to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. And I think that I'm, a, I'm almost there, but I think it's really important for us to also allow the Holy Spirit to, there can be prophecy and there can be other things. For me, I was prophesying. That's what, that's what happened to me. I, had a, I received the baptism and I released prophecy. And my assembly God friend said, that's not good enough. But he wouldn't go share the gospel with me either. Does anybody find that to be a problem? Okay, because I'm going to challenge the heck out of you if you do. And this is vital because the Holy Spirit always wants to do something. Most of the time, we release a spiritual language. I think we can release a spiritual language, but I think we don't want to pressure people either. And I don't want you to be pressured in this room. I'd rather pastor you into releasing what the Spirit gives than pressure you into it. It's so vital. Can I just talk to you for a moment? One time I was in an another country, I won't name it because if I did, some of you might know who I'm talking about, but I was in another country and I was like super sick, sick as a dog. And we walked in and I was teaching on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it was real simple because I was being translated and I don't think the translator was getting it right. And I know what that looks like when you get translated and you can tell that what you're saying and what they're saying are not the same thing because people look at you like this. All right, so I just said, hey, are there any of you that need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? And I'm not even sure if they understood what I was saying. And so everybody comes up. Not, not some, everybody comes up front. And so we just went one by one and we were praying for people. Now, this doesn't always happen in the States, but in this particular country, because the need is great, I think the need is great here, by the way, but there's a level of knowledge of the need. As I prayed, I laid my hands and I turned my head away. And as I turned my head away, this woman shot back, knocked over several chairs and the pastor behind her. And, and then I turned my head towards and I saw her and I thought, oh my gosh. And there was a lot of witnesses. This like legitimately happened. And so we kept laying hands on people and they violently reacted. So I thought maybe this was a really happening church right? And I asked the pastor, has this ever happened before? He said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I know these people. <laughs> and so I asked the Lord, why would something like this happen? And the Lord said to me, the people that you're praying for know their need. They know how desperately that they need. And this is a country, highly persecuted country. Some are and some, some aren't. This one was. It was like the power of God it wasn't about me. It was just the power of the Holy Spirit. And they, people are falling on the ground speaking in tongues. In fact, what I've asked the Lord to do is just that I, I want, I, this is what I want in our churches as, as the days move forward. 
I want us to be able to pray, lay hands on people, and they speak in tongues without anybody saying anything. I've had it happen before. I was at a young adult retreat and I was laying hands on people. And as I laid hands on this one, it's in my book, I tell the story, on this one young guy who was raised Baptist, speaking in tongues is of the devil. I lay my hands on him and he starts speaking in tongues. And after about 30 seconds of that, I said, well, what just happened? And he said, I, I don't know. I said, well, you just spoke in tongues. His whole theology changed. You know how that works. <laughs> My question is, I'm wondering if we believe for this stuff anymore. When I read the scripture, I don't see a lot of coaching. I see a lot of power. And so what, I, what I'm asking God for is that we would come into days where we know that we need him. And as we pray for one another, we really experience him. And when we need coaching, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that but I would rather not have as much human element and see what happened just like in those days where the Holy Spirit would come just as we lay hands on people. I had, there was a, she's a, actually a senior pastor. She's a gal, she lives in another state, but she had been contending for the baptism with the Holy Spirit for years and she was very frustrated that she didn't speak with tongues. Now I think she was baptized with the Holy Spirit, but she wanted to release spiritual language. She's very smart. You know, she's got all of her stuff together, probably more than me. But she was really frustrated that this hadn't happened. And we were at a worship night and I just walked up behind her and I put my hand on her shoulder and she started speaking in tongues. And I just went. <laughs> it wasn't my hands, you know. I, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit moves like this all over the world. I've only seen a glimpse of it. Sometimes what makes me sad though is that we desperately need the power of the spirit but we stay where we are. And I know speaking in tongues is maybe not the purpose of the baptism but I think it's so vital that we don't hold back. I mean, I've, I've talked with even a few of you and I know you struggle with it. But the reality is, is that I mean this as a pastor. I mean, my desire is for all of us to experience all of the word. And so even if it offends our intellect at times, we yield to God like a child and we let him flow even through those simple syllables and watch what he'll do. Sometimes God gives us or introduces to us these simple things that sort of offend our intellect because we want to control everything. He gives us these kinds of things for those reasons at times. It's like prophecy. Sometimes he gives cryptic messages that don't fully make sense. Why? Because he wants us to pursue him. Why does he speak in metaphor? I think it's because he wants us to pursue him for understanding and interpretation. He doesn't allow any of us to have the formula or own the block on anything. He calls us to submit to him. And as silly as sometimes something like speaking in tongues can be, I actually think it's the drawing of the Father into a place of intimacy where when we speak or when we pray, it may not make sense to us, but it's a spiritual transaction. It's a spiritual revelation. And it emboldens us in the spirit. And yeah, it makes a few people uncomfortable. I, I, I get that. But the more we talk about it, I, that's why I love Pastor Steve Shell because he talked... Nobody in the world teaches in the main service for three weeks on speaking in tongues but Pastor Steve Shell. 
I mean, you just got to like respect that, right? That's incredible. But I think if you haven't experienced the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you can. We don't have to wait for 10 days. We can have that happen right here and right now. But here's what I would like to do. The first is, I want to simply say that as a church, we're setting a precedence to be a people that so desire to be baptized with, filled with, and constantly overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit because we need him. That we desire here to be a people that release all of the fullness of the Holy Spirit and don't hold anything back. Not saying we don't need a process, not saying we don't need help, not saying we don't need to walk through it. We do. But saying that we are going to press in for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're not gonna back down on speaking in tongues or prophecy or any of that stuff. But we won't overemphasize it as though if we speak in tongues, that's the point. If we speak in tongues but we're not empowered witnesses, I don't believe that that's the fullness. It's not the fullness. And also that we would be people that pray for others to be baptized with the Holy Spirit because we know how desperately each one of us needs that to be a witness of Jesus Christ. It is not possible to be a witness of Jesus without being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we will read this book and we will constantly feel like we can't. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he is the compelling agent in our life that continues to tell us that we can. That we can. Why? Because we have what prophets, priests, kings, and judges of the old covenant had. You and I, common folk, whether you're educated or not, whether you understand the Greek and the Hebrew or not, you and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit and do everything that he tells us to do for the glory of Jesus Christ. But we cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have to come back as a people to that place where we are utterly and completely hungry for what God wants to do through our life. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.